0: Awesome. Well, guys, welcome to, to Macromillionaire Training. And today we have special guest speaker, Dr. D. Bonnie, who is a functional medicine physician. And what that means is he's into health care versus sick care. And that's just kind of the direction. Sick care and addressing symptoms has just been kind of the direction that our society has gone into uh, and it's really unfortunately uh, unfortunate. So he's addressing lifestyle, he's addressing health span, not lifespan, but health span, uh, and longevity. Uh, him and his wife are the owners of Alpha Omega Wellness that's located here in Greenwood, Indiana, an absolutely awesome functional medicine uh, office that we'd really, really, really encourage you guys to check out if you live here in Indiana. And really why we wanted to have Dr. Bonnie on is right now, everybody is alive, but nobody seems to be living. And when a lot of physicians are just addressing standardization, guys like Dr. Bonnie come in and they start to address optimization. So that's really what he's going to talk to you, sticking in the hormonal world here as far as... Hey, we don't want to just be standardized. We want to be optimized. What does that look like? What does that that uh, feel like? And what are some steps that we can take away to uh, from this to uh, to implement that into our lives? So, Dr. Bonnie, thanks so much, man, for uh, for giving us your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: For sure, Jesse. Thanks for having me, man. I love talking about this stuff.
0: Yeah, I love it. So if you can give us just kind of a brief history of why you got into this, how long your clinic's been around, and and why this particular field of medicine?
1: Yeah, that's great. So um, I, I trained in emergency medicine and pediatrics, actually. And so I was an ER doctor for over 22 years. And um, my wife and I Had decided uh, about five, a little over five years ago, that we would open an office. So, our office started as a faith based addiction treatment office because I had my own opiate addiction 19 years ago. And we thought, you know, what if we combine treatment with medication for addiction, but everything that we did was on a foundation of faith. So, that's how we got started. And then um, a few years ago, I was really burned out in the ER and decided that I would stop doing that full time and I would just focus on our office. And that's when we decided to start doing. Um, like primary care with a membership model. And then we were attracting people. So people who are not using traditional insurance often and that were looking for something different like that direct primary care model where you just pay membership to your doctor and you get basically unlimited access. They were kind of counterculture to the traditional kind of medical community anyway. So they start being interested more in wellness And so I started listening to podcasts and just learning in that space. And then Jesse, about a year and a half ago, my wife got really sick, uh, ended up having a heart catheterization at the age of 32, the day after Easter in 2022. Come to find out, I took her to see a functional medicine physician that I used to work in the ER with, and she had mold. So mold is what caused all of her symptoms and chest pain, chest tightness, EKG changes, shortness of breath. And so it was that, that was kind of the impetus for me to be like, all right, I'm all in. I really have to learn functional medicine because there's not enough people out there that are helping people with these bizarre symptoms. And I'll tell you, like conventional medicine would not have found that in a hundred years because they don't believe that it's a thing. Mm, wow! So that's how you go from a uh, ER doctor to functional medicine physician.
0: Gosh, that's- you know, okay. So. I'm going to try my hardest to not get on tangents here and I want to get into the hormone stuff, but why is traditional medicine, why are they not looking into these, these things?
1: You know, the thing Jesse is that there's just a lot of dogma in traditional medicine. Like we basically, um, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know how to, how to say, I mean, it's kind of like, of these foundations are laid and you just kind of keep drinking that kool-aid and so you feel like that there is a pill for every ill right yeah you feel like that these things that are counter mainstream medicine must not have any validity because otherwise why wouldn't everybody recognize it right and so i mean i used to be that way i remember telling patients in the er like oh mold's not an issue unless you have like some inhalation allergy or something and Now in my functional medicine training, I realized that like, A, that's not true. There are a lot of things that happen to the human body that conventional medicine isn't prepared to address. And then, you know, the other side of it is I feel like that in my medical training, I got taught all of these really key facts during the first years of medical school, these basic sciences. And then third and fourth year of medical school, it kind of becomes like, well, no, here's the algorithm. Here's the medication that you give for this symptom, Mm. right? And so going back and doing the functional medicine training, it's kind of been like repeating medical school again, because it's really kind of getting upstream from these issues. So instead of using a steroid or an NSAID to block inflammation down here, we're going upstream and saying, okay, what caused the inflammation to begin with? How do we address it at the root, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where lifestyle and changes in nutrition and body movement and sleep come into play. I mean, I think one of the fascinating things, and I won't go deep into this, but I mean, essentially... We have a saying in functional medicine that the DNA loads the gun, but it's our environment that pulls the trigger. Mm. And so my DNA is set, right? That's my genotype, but my phenotype, that's how that DNA gets expressed. And that does change based on the environment that that DNA is seeing. And that environment is my nutrition. It's the toxins that I'm exposed to. It's whether I'm moving my body or not. It's whether I'm getting my sleep. It's how I'm managing my stress. It's how healthy my relationships are. It's that spiritual, mental, and emotional component that overlays our life. All of that affects how our DNA literally transcribes different proteins, turns on and off different genes. Because we have like 23,000 genes. They're not all on all sure. the time. And yeah. so that's the that concept of epigenetics. And I think that's kind of one of those places where conventional medicine and functional medicine start, start diverging because, um, yes, everyone knows that we should eat healthy and that we should exercise. But as far as like how that actually impacts what's going on in the nucleus of the cell, I don't think conventional medicine really puts enough weight on that. So. Sure.
0: No, I, I agree. It's the, it's the gene expression that Absolutely. people like you are adre- addressing yeah. now. So kind of to your point is I ran into hormone issues in 2016 and I had no idea, you know, I, I did my blood work. I did my physicals every year and traditional medicine didn't take it. And we had a nurse okay. practitioner at our gym. Mm-hmm. She's like, Hey, I'm going to do a hormonal panel for you. And right. I'm like, why? You know, I was, I was benching Buicks and, right. and ripped up and looking great, right. but she's like, oh, I'm just going to do it. And I, she came to find out in 2016 that I had very low, uh, free testosterone. Yeah. What? Come on, man. Look at me. And, right. uh, progressively, and I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't have really yeah. any, um, and she's like, man, we need to address this. I'm like, get out of here, you know? And then she retested me in 2017 and I had it was tanked. I mean, my total yep. T I think was 176 at that time. Oh. Um, my SHGB was high. So my free T right. was, was in yeah. the tank and she's like, yeah. we got to do something. And I brushed her off again until the symptoms started to come. Yeah. But this is traditional medicine. Didn't even test for this. My primary care physician was like, nah, we, we don't do that. Right. Like, Whoa. So why, why are hormones a concern today? why you know it seems like this is kind of new like grandpa didn't get his T tested you know right.
1: well yeah i mean that's a great question and i think that it's it's multifaceted you know i mean i saw i saw some statistic that like 80 or 90% of chronic diseases would go away with lifestyle changes right and so literally i see a lot of guys in 30s 40s and 50s and their testosterone is low Um, Same for women with, you know, either estrogen dominant symptoms or inadequate progesterone or low estrogen or they're not ovulating. And really, I think a lot of it comes down to all the toxins in our environment. I mean, there are so many things that we call EDCs, endocrine disrupting chemicals Mm. in our environment. I mean, I used to be one of these ER doctors that was like, ah, vitamins, vitamins, you don't need them. And I used to think, um, I mean, organic. Yeah, that's just not important, eating, eating organic. But really... Um, all those things are important. And I think that, you know, I mean, you think about like everything that gets sprayed on our crops and our, our, our farms or our soil is over farmed. So even when we buy organic, we're not getting all the rich nutrients that should be there. And, you know, I mean, BPA in plastic water bottles or in those um, thermal receipts that kind of turn color when you hold them. I mean, that's because of BPA, which is a plasticizer, known to be an endocrine disrupting chemicals, causes men's testosterone to go down. And then obesity. Obesity is another thing that, you know, high insulin levels affect how our hormones are working all the way from our, you know, our stress hormone cortisol to our thyroid function and then on to our uh, sex hormones. And so we don't have adequate nutrition. We have so many pollutants in our environment. Uh, we aren't moving our bodies and all these things you can really tie back to, um, how it's affecting the nucleus of the cell, right. And how those genes are getting transcribed. And so I think it's really multifaceted. I don't think God designed us to be in our forties or fifties and to need testosterone supplementation, but I think there's just so many chemicals around us. I mean, um, the average baby is born with 200 chemicals in his or her cord blood. Wow right i mean some 150 chemicals that women typically put on their skin each day you know they say if you wouldn't eat it don't put it on your skin so
0: oh wow. i like that
1: yeah i mean cuz it's getting absorbed like it's coming into your circulation and so all of these thinking that anything doesn't impact us i think is just naive
0: yeah and and i'm i'm really feeling convicted because i used to be one of those people that was like, ah, organic, you know, it it doesn't matter, uh, you know, or like the BPAs, but it is irrefutable science. They're saying now that a a healthy or a healthy, quote unquote, male has less testosterone than their grandparents. And Mm. I've even heard, you might be able to validate this, that the ranges for this particular testosterone have actually gone down over time to like compensate for that. I don't know if that's that's
1: true or if you- And I don't know that I can speak with authority on that. I'm not surprised, you know, I mean, I think the world, I mean, there's some 200,000 additional chemicals registered in the United States since World War II. Like these are man-made chemicals, some are pharmaceuticals, some are cleaning products, some are whatever, um, but all of these things are in our environment. I mean, glyphosate has been found in remote regions of the world that have never been sprayed with glyphosate because it gets taken up in the in the clouds and as rain. And so our toxic burden is really high. And so um, I think it's affecting our health more than what we realize. Mm, and, no, absolutely. You know, so we're, we're talking about sex hormones right now, but really the order in which we should be evaluating these things is we should evaluate the adrenals first. Mm. See what the cortisol curve is doing. Because if your cortisol is messed up, you're not really going to get that in on your hormones. And then next after the adrenals would be the thyroid. And then lastly in that progression would be the sex hormones. So, you know, if, Somebody really wants to get to the root cause of their issues. I mean, we might start talking about like thyroid function, how they're managing stress, testing their salivary cortisol, four-point panel during the day. We might start talking about gut health and their nutrition and all of these things because, man, the body is a symphony and Mm -hmm. everything affects everything else. It's like the butterfly effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is.
0: So that's fascinating that you mentioned the adrenals because there's a term, uh, you know, adrenal fatigue. Yeah. What's your opinion of that term? I've heard some medical professionals say, ah, that's, that's nothing, but I've heard others that it is something I feel my wife struggled with that in 2018, Uh, but what would be some symptoms or causes of, of adrenal
1: fatigue? Yeah. So, you know, really what we like in functional medicine is to talk about adrenal dysfunction because the idea of the adrenals getting fatigued really doesn't happen. And and if we start, if I start using that term, it gives me less credibility with kind of the more allopathic conventional Mm. medical community. But there is this idea of adrenal dysfunction. And so there are essentially like three phases of that. I mean, the first phase of that is going to be like an early adaptation to normal stress. And so Uh, cortisol is going to be high in in response to that stress. That causes an increase in our catecholamines, epinephrine and norepinephrine, or what the Brits call adrenaline and noradrenaline. Um, DHEA is a sex hormone that's made by the adrenal glands, not by the testicles or the ovaries. And so that's another thing that we check in that panel. But so early on, the cortisol is going to be high and the DHEA is going to be probably normal. And then there's this early phase of decompensation where now the cortisol is starting to fall. DHEA is is, is, um, is usually normal or a bit low. And then the third phase of that adrenal dysfunction is gonna be like a late decompensation where you just get a flat cortisol curve. That's actually the least healthy cortisol curve. You're actually better if it's just high than if it's just flat the whole day, because being flat is actually associated with cardiovascular disease. Not to mention that it's gonna affect how our, our, our liver is converting T4 to T3. T3 is the active metabolite of thyroid hormone right? And so that's how the adrenals actually affect the thyroid. If we are converting T4, which is what mostly what the thyroid makes, but it's not metabolically very active. We're converting that to reverse T3 instead of the T3. Now we're going to have symptoms of low thyroid and maybe our labs look okay, but unless we're doing a deep dive on that and really looking at the detailed... Um, i kind of a comprehensive lab evaluation of that. We'll miss it if we're just screening with a TSH, but symptoms of the adrenal dysfunction. So that can be anywhere from like depression and anxiety, um, brain fog, low energy for sure, uh, or this idea of feeling wired and tired, right? So you're fatigued, but you're kind of wound up. And that's how all of this really interplays with like what we would consider traditionally to be mental health, which I'm one of the people who thinks that we need to shift that term and actually think of brain health because Mm. there's an organic issue going on in the brain. You're not just walking down the road one day and you get zapped by the bipolar bug, right? Right. And so there are things that are actually taking place in the brain and we can optimize that by decreasing inflammation. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that if somebody's suffering with adrenal dysfunction, it's gonna be more of that, like, I'm really tired and I'm having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. It takes me a few hours to get going, or I got, you know, cravings for sugar or salt can be a symptom of that. Um, sometimes it's going to be, I have trouble falling asleep at night. Well, when we do a cortisol curve, if you're, if your nine, 10 PM cortisol el- level is fairly elevated, then that's going to explain why you have trouble falling asleep. Cortisol is one of those things. God knew that it was stressful getting up and taking on the day. So our cortisol should be highest in the morning at six or seven o'clock in the morning. But then over the course of the day, it should gradually fall to its nadir at bedtime where it's at its low point, right? As we kind of settle down and we're going to sleep. And so when we get into the weeds of it and we really start checking out that as part of that hormone evaluation, now we can start finding some things that are underlying going on that patient didn't know that their cortisol was running high all the time, right? right? And then we start treating that through lifestyle changes, nutrition, supplements, mindfulness, meditation, prayer. Um, all these things start balancing out the cortisol. Um, even being outside in nature has been shown to lower our cortisol. Mm-hmm. Oh, better yet, even pictures of nature have been shown to lower our cortisol. So wow. tell me that God did not design us to be connected to the earth, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah. That, that's fascinating because I know, you know, you're speaking to a lot of nutrition coaches right now. And this is, and even myself, someone will be like, oh, I've got brain fog. I'm having trouble sleeping. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling weak. I go right to the sex hormones, yeah. but I think you hit the nail right in the head. I should be going to the adrenals and the brain. And the thyroid. Yeah, that, that is, that, yeah, that's a really good piece of information. Um, and you kind of just mentioned some natural remedies because I actually do have a, a buddy that's struggling with sleep right now, and he's never struggled with sleep. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that could be a big symptoms of elevated cortisol. Yeah. What, what would you tell him just kind of practicing, like you said, prayer, mindfulness,
1: yeah. Um, I mean, you know, so, so I like to explain this to people, Jesse. So we have the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight. And then we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and relaxation. We have to have those in balance. Well, parasympathetic nervous system isn't just rest and relaxation, but it's also digestion and it's also reproduction. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, I mean, I re- so sympathetic nervous system is I'm running from the tiger, right. Fight or flight. Yeah. And so reproduction does not fall into that because let's face it, I shouldn't be worried about getting busy with my spouse if I'm running from a tiger, right? And so we need that parasympathetic nervous system. So the way to engage that, there are some supplements that absolutely help with managing cortisol imbalance, ashwagandha, phosphatidylserine, um, rhodiola, Asian ginseng, all those are kind of adaptogens that really help regulate that. But then it comes to things that I can do every day, like deep breathing exercises, stimulates that vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is what kind of controls that parasympathetic nervous system. So we can talk about four, seven, eight breathing, breathe in for a count of four, hold it for a count of seven, exhale for a count of eight, or just square belly breathing, breathe in for a count of four, hold it for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, and then um, hold the exhalation for a count of four. So those are a couple of things that people can do. And, you know, I mean, I share in our our office, I'm very transparent. I share my Christian worldview and how that looks to me. But everybody needs something to engage that parasympathetic nervous system. So Mm -hmm. yoga, Tai Chi, walking outside, even laughing and singing stimulates that vagus nerve, right? So just when you're in the car, belt it out. (laughs) Just let it go, right? When people look at you like you're weird, you're like, oh, I'm just engaging my parasympathetic nervous system, baby.
0: I want to keep my friends, so I'll definitely do it in the car if I'm alone. <laughs> no, that
1: that is really, really
0: big actionable items, and I don't think any primary care physician—I'm not beating up on, on physician—but no, right. you're just not going to hear those things from a primary right. care physician. It's going to be, hey, take some Motrin or, or whatever right. else,
1: right? You know. Right.
0: So we have the adrenals, and then the thyroid. Kind of those are those are the one-two punch. I love how you mentioned um, the gut health and the microbiome.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: isn't it true that a large percentage of our neurotransmitters and hormones are made in the gut?
1: It is, yeah. So these bacteria produce their own hormones. 90% of our serotonin is made in our gut. Um, some 70% of our immune system, I think they say, is housed in the gut. And so I feel like it was, uh, I think it was Hippocrates. It was one of those old um, um, physicians and um like philosophers who said that death begins in the colon. And now some 3000 years later or whatever, we're figuring out, oh, this is actually true. It's interesting, Jesse, that for like 30, 35 years, the functional medicine community has been talking about leaky gut, increased intestinal permeability is what what we like to say. And now in the last 10 or 15 years, it's actually in the mainstream, like gastroenterology literature. So.
0: Wow. See, I didn't didn't know that it had made, it had made mainstream. Wow. Guys, is lightning, man. So, we talked about some natural remedies uh, getting into the the sex hormones. but um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> particularly on the female end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one that people tend to really focus on the most is testosterone. But what should we be looking at for ourselves, for our clients if if the adrenals are okay, the thyroids, yeah. you know functioning on all all cylinders?
1: So, um for men, uh, I have a really low threshold for testing uh, their sex hormones um, just because I see so many that are running low. And, you know, there's this ADAMS score, uh, uh, adrogen deficiency in the aging male score. Uh, and so I'll run through that. I mean, if you have either low libido or um, like erections that are less firm, it doesn't matter how you answer the rest of it that's a positive score but other things that it asked is like have you lost height are you sad or grumpy can you fall asleep after dinner do you have decreased uh, work performance do you have decreased athletic performance um you know all these things so that kind of speaks to how testosterone impacts men like the libido and erectile strength are like the last to go so when somebody's like yeah. no my testosterone's good like I'm still interested in sex like that's not adequate enough and the The benefit of testosterone for men, I mean, to prevent sarcopenia, that muscle wasting as we get into our 70s and 80s, so we preserve um, skeletal muscle mass, that's huge. Um, Even though the FDA has a black box warning on testosterone that it might, might increase risk of heart disease, that was done based on some really poor studies, and some 26 medical societies have asked that that be removed because testosterone probably actually decreases cardiovascular risk. It improves insulin sensitivity, so it can help with weight loss um, testosterone is important in women, estrogen and testosterone prefer, um, preserve bone mineral density in women. So they're less likely to break a hip when they're 75.
0: Right. Um, So are the the symptoms the same for women as, as men of of low testosterone?
1: You know, the symptoms for women are going to, what we see a lot more of is just women in kind of their fifties and sixties, seventies, um, without much of a libido. And so our nurse practitioner here does pellets and, uh, It's pretty funny the response that we, in fact, it happened recently. We had a patient who she got pelleted and then like a week later she's wrecked to go. And her like 77 year old husband was not, I got to text my wife. (laughs) So, so now, so now we've got him on some meds to help with his erection strength uh, because uh, she wants it and he's not able to get there, but I love it. Right. I mean, we've got one couple, um, we got her on a weight loss peptide. Checked out her hormones. Her husband came in, got him on a weight loss peptide. Checked out his. I mean, his testosterone was like sixty nine or something. Like, I mean, even conventional medicine says it should be north of three hundred, and even three hundred is really isn't adequate, right? So right. that that discussion of optimal versus normal. But yeah, I mean, I mean, they've got a great sex life now. They both feel great. They're losing weight, and they feel like they're on the moon. And I love it. I love when they come in because you know, I think a lot of times we don't talk about that side of life, but if we're able to restore that for the 60 and 70 year olds, like to me, that's beautiful. That's awesome.
0: Absolutely. It's very interesting that that's the last thing to go.
1: For men, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Very Um, interesting. And when women have symptoms of hormone imbalance, obviously we know about menopause and hot flashes and stuff, but even like, um, Even the PMS symptoms and the PCOS symptoms, I mean, those are often symptoms of estrogen dominance and estrogen dominance can not only put you at risk for like breast cancer and other estrogen sensitive cancers can put you at risk of like fibroids in the uterus. Uh, You can get heavy bleeding, you can get irregular periods. And a lot of times, Jesse, that's not necessarily that the estrogen is too high. It's that the progesterone can be too low. So now women are having ovulate, they're having an ovulatory cycles, meaning they're not ovulating. And so it's the shift in hormone levels that actually causes the symptoms. So it's actually, you know, a quick drop instead of the absolute level of estrogen. It's the quick drop in some drop in estrogen levels that causes like those basal motor, like hot flashes or the mood changes. And um, so when we get those balanced and women just feel great, like, yeah. And estrogen, estrogen and testosterone both decrease insulin resistance. And as you guys all know, I'm sure insulin resistance is a huge driver of obesity and metabolic syndrome. And so um, those two can really be impactful at helping people to start lose weight, along with all the other modalities that we're doing. But, yeah. So
0: what what would you tell, and I think that we find this in mainstream medicine, Say that I'm a 61-year-old female, Mm-hmm. And I have the symptoms. I have the symptoms that you're talking about, the minor ones and the major ones. Yeah. But I go to my primary care physician and they say, hey, well, you're, you're normal. You're right in the range.
1: Yeah, I would say, um, come see us and get another opinion. <laughs> because, again, so, I mean, and that's why, like, depending on the situation, sometimes just having a single isolated value isn't helpful because the range is so high right? So if you're just doing a single blood level, and you're just looking at one thing, you know, I mean, cortisol is like that. I mean, I think a serum cortisol level is worthless. I want a four point salivary cortisol, because the range of what's normal is so big in serum, depending on what time of day and what you're going through, that it's meaningless to me, I never order a serum cortisol level. Mm. And so, you know, when it comes to the female hormones, we're going to interpret those in light of your symptoms. And in light of like, What's the estradiol level? What's the progesterone level? What's your testosterone level? What's your cortisol doing? How's your DHEA, right? And so we're looking at at all of these things and really able to start getting them optimized. And so honestly, man, I think people know their bodies. And so, so many times the people who come see me, they say, you know, my doctor says everything's normal, but I still feel like crap. All my labs are fine, but I feel like crap. So, you know, there's a couple of questions there. Well, what lens are they using to interpret normal? Right. I, if your TSH is four, that's not optimal. Right. Yeah. We want TSH to be below two and a half or maybe even below two. Right. So what lens are they using to look at those labs? And then the other side of it is um, are they doing the right labs? Right. You know. <laughs>
0: You know, and I think the point, too, is they're still using ranges that came out in the, the 30s and 40s. But like you said, back then, we didn't have the endocrine disrupting chemicals. Right. We didn't have the soil depletion. We didn't right. have the obesity. So right. I feel those ranges should have come up quite a bit. But they yeah. they stayed out in the, the Stone Ages when our bodies are dealing with all these other ED, uh, EDCs.
1: Yeah, absolutely yeah
0: uh so we have a, a couple quick we have time for maybe one or two questions again we want to respect your time this has been gosh i got like a page and a half of notes i think we need wow. to have dr bonnie back
1: <laughs> <I'd be glad laughs> who <to>. agrees who <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so thoughts on uh phytoestrogens for helping balance estrogen or for, for using soy's phytoestrogens for helping to balance estrogen
1: yeah so soy's can be helpful i mean if they're sourced well they're non-gmo and stuff so but I think you really got to get into the heart and find out what is the underlying issue because we got to know like, is there actually an estrogen deficiency? Um, a lot of times, those symptoms of estrogen dominance and estrogen deficiency tend to overlap. And so, yeah, soy can be one of those um, nutritional products that would be helpful in just raising the estrogen levels. But I think it's, you know, it's one of those things I would be um, cautious about starting anything in that hormone space without data to know exactly what I'm dealing with.
0: Sure, sure. Is there anything in the in the data conclusive as far as prostate cancer in men who have it run in the family? So if uh, I have prostate cancer that runs in my family, it would it yeah. be a bad idea for me to get onto TRT?
1: So the um, TRT does not cause prostate cancer. That myth has been completely debunked. We do follow a PSA when someone is on TRT, for the express reason that if you were to develop prostate cancer, some of those cancers, not all, but some of them will grow more rapidly in the presence of exogenous like external testosterone. But I would, I would not withhold testosterone therapy to somebody because they had prostate cancer that ran in their family. I've had patients who have had a history of prostate cancer who have been treated and had like a radical prostatectomy and i still get their urolog- urologist just to sign off on them starting trt because i don't want to i don't want to make bad decisions because of my knowledge deficit and i'm not a urologist and i'm not a cancer specialist so sure. if no. needed i get the um, i get the specialist involved to make sure that what we're doing is going to be okay
0: awesome. uh, so dr barny if i want to follow you or if i live in indiana i want to come into your clinic how how yeah. can we get in touch with you
1: so our website is alphaomegawellness.com. Um we have uh Instagram and Facebook under the same name. Um our office number is 317-300-4091. What's cool about that number is you can call or text it. And so um everybody likes to text these days and so um that's a good way of getting in touch with us and um yeah, we're just like I love what we get to do here, Jesse. So like leaving the emergency department three years ago was scary. I just two weeks ago worked my last weekend shift there. So I'm done. Right. Um, and I love what we get to do every day, just helping people to find well, you know, and we, we judge that based on what the patient says. My first question with any new patient is how can I help you? Cause I want to focus on their objectives, not mine, you know, and I think each person has to define what well is to them. And so, um, but when people, you know, open the door and start following our recommendations, like they just, they love how they end up feeling, right? Because there's, I think, I think normal is mediocre. Yes, thank normal you. Normal is great, yes. it's not thriving and it sucks, honestly. Right. And right. so um, I think normal health, normal finances, normal marriages, they're all mediocre right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to settle for that in, in in any area of my life. And so we just want to help people level up in each of those areas. And so, you know, you might come to me and I might talk about gut health. I might talk about your spiritual walk. I might talk about, you know, how you're handling stress and how healthy your relationships are, because all of that composes who I am and how I thrive and flourish or how I just kind of languish. So,
0: yeah, I'll bet you see a lot of patients who have grown comfortable with being uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's, you know, like this couple that I was talking about, we got them both optimized. I don't think they realized how poorly they felt. I mean, now when they come in, it's like, what else you got? Like, (laughs) maybe I can feel better. Right. So, yeah.
0: Oh, man. Just absolutely huge. Uh, I'm a big, big advocate in to people that do what you do uh, because of what it's done in my life. And this, this message really, really needs to get out. So guys, if you live in Indiana, let them know about uh, Dr. Bonnie. Let them know that, that, that he exists. Um, and if you don't live in Indiana, just start exploring this avenue of wellness because we're dealing, our bodies are just dealing with a lot that they didn't have to, that our grandparents didn't have to deal with in the past. And medicine must evolve along with that for us to optimize our health. So thank you so much uh, for your time being on the show today. This was absolutely awesome. Uh, You're probably going to be avoiding me. We might see each other in town because I'm going to be knocking on your doors to do a a follow-up to this. Let's do it. We'd love to have you back. This has been great. I love it.
1: Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Have a good day, everyone. Bye.